Well, we get two weeks in Las Vegas and this week is definitely not going to disappoint. Hi and welcome to the SG Tour Report podcast. I'm Diane Knox and soon I'll be joined by Steve Elkington to talk about the field this week playing in the CJ Cup at Shadow Creek. So the original place for this tournament, it was a CJ Cup at Nine Bridges in South Korea, but that wasn't going to happen this year due to everything going on with the pandemic. So back-to-back weeks in Vegas following the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open last week. Now, on the show today, we're going to talk about the field playing at Shadow Creek and we're going to give you our picks. So we'll do our top 10 guys who we think are going to be in the win zone this week. The guys that are going to go out there and have the, the highest chance of doing well and getting that victory. Then we're going to give you three sizzlers. So when we do our re-ranking, basically the guys that are making big jumps up. Fizzlers, which are three big name guys who, when you look at the stats and what the course is asking the players to do, the guys that are falling down our re-ranking and then our all-important dark horse picks. Now, I call them the all-important dark horse picks because these are guys that have big odds, good value, and when we look at their stats, they're ones that you could look out for and, uh, well, hopefully make a bit of money on. So last week, (laughs) I don't want to go on about this too much myself because we will talk about it on the show, but my dark horse pick for the Shriners Open was Martin Laird. And when we talked about him at the beginning of the week, he was 250 to 1. And he went on and won it. So it was a huge celebration on Sunday night for so many reasons. First of all, he's Scottish. I'm Scottish. So I was very happy for our small little country. Then because I'd picked him as my dark horse, I was like, this gives me a great chance to gloat. And then thirdly, it was just great for the show. The fact that you know, we identified him and um, we do the, the TV version on SportsGrid on a Wednesday at 2pm. And the guys from SportsGrid always listen to the Dark Horse picks. So they all won some money. It was just a fun Sunday evening all round. So hopefully we can do the same this week. That would be nice. But this is the SG Tour report for the CJ Cup. Hi and welcome back to the SG Tour Report on the Sports Grid Network. Another week, another golf tournament to talk about. And well, this one is going to be a little bit different um, and we'll go into that shortly. But first of all, I'm Diane Knox, joined by Steve Elkington. And before we even get into the CJ Cup, last week it was the Shriners Hospitals for Children Open. We have two weeks back to back in Vegas and well, what a result for the Scott. <laughs> It was a result for the Scott, and it wasn't just necessarily Martin Laird. It was you, Diane, who who correctly predicted that Martin Laird was the best value for a bet last week at 250 to 1. We broke down why we thought that he was one statistic away. Hardly anyone realized that he's been away with an injured knee, and he's been working on his putting, and putting was the difference. Normally, he ranks in the top 180 of putting. Uh, this is a course that we know that Martin Laird has won on before, Diane. He's also got beaten in a playoff on the very hole that he won yesterday by a hole in one. Yeah. Jonathan Bird holed out in the playoff the year that he lost his other chance to win. Um, he outperformed his putting last week, Diane. He was in the top 10 last week. And what a result for Secret Golf and the Tour Report. 
250 to 1. All of our friends were on the bet. You've had your phone has been overloaded with people that just want to send you things because they want so much money. Uh, it was great fun. Yeah, it was great because, well, my phone was blowing up. When I'm watching the final day of the tournament, I try not to have my phone just because it's Sunday and I guess I want a little bit of a break from it. But Jared, who does the morning line on Sports Grid, he was messaging me because him and Ariel always listen to my dark horse pick. <laughs> Whenever I go on the show on a Wednesday, they're like, never mind everyone else, who is your dark horse? So he was 250 to one at the start of the week and they went in on it and... Um, yeah, they had a very fruitful Sunday evening. So Jared was like, I need to, your address because I want to send you a gift basket. <laughs> like, I'll take well, it. As you know, a lot of people in the golf world know how to think about the top 10 or 15 players where it becomes very difficult to win in DraftKings or anything you're trying to do, Diane, is try to find value down the board and how do they finish out their teams when they're picking their DraftKings teams or if they're going to go one-on-one matchups or they're just going to go and put money down on someone like Martin Laird. 251, it was great value. Um, as we say, we look we look for little, uh, little tiny openings in the data mm-hmm. and it certainly presented itself to us last week. Well, people were saying to me, oh, you know, you only picked him because he's Scottish, blah, blah, blah. He's won here before. I'm like, no, we've put a lot of time and effort into coming up with a formula for the SG Tour report. And the dark horse picks are always fun because we're looking for guys that, you know, as you say, maybe there's just that one statistic that they have to outperform in, but they are good value as well. And it's not a fluke. Like we know what we're doing. We're proving it week after week after week. And it's just great that you know when you do get a result such as a win on a guy who had such big odds at the start of the week yeah I mean Diane if we just pick Scottish people every week then we for <laughs> <be> sure <laughs> yeah uh, we would have no show <laughs> yeah Martin Laird was I think I don't have it in front of me we will be able to put it back up but he was in the top 10 in uh hitting greens in reg he was a he's a long driver the main thing about this win yesterday for him is he knows the course so well. You know how much, how big I am on guys returning to places that they've won on. And the golf course got tricky yesterday afternoon, but there, there he was, Martin Laird, sitting in the last group, had a chance to make birdies coming in. He Yes, he bogeyed, he terrible shot on 17. He was up for the challenge, made an incredible up and down, one of the best up and downs you could ever find. Uh, made bogey on 18 and then a charging Matthew Wolf and uh, Austin Cook were there waiting for their chance, but he was able to hold them off on the on the famous 17th hole where he indeed lost a playoff to a hole-in-one. So redemption for Martin Laird yesterday. Um, one thing I want to touch on quickly, and you're like the best person to give insight on this, is, you know, you can call Martin Laird a bit of a journeyman. He's late 30s. He's been on tour for a long time. Last season, he finished out with the top 180 in the FedEx Cup standings. He had two young guys, Matt Wolf and Austin Cook, who both have won on the tour before as well. But it was as though on 18 that Martin Laird, when he bogeyed, he because he had that chip that he left super short and then missed the putt for par. You could see that he was nervous. He almost had to take some deep breaths to settle himself down. And I think having that time and frustration between finishing 18 and then starting the playoff, he he had it together and he knew what he had to do. And there was no nerves at that point, or it didn't seem that way. 
Yeah, it's just such a lonesome feeling to being by yourself coming in the last hole, knowing you have to win. There was no no people there to get any energy. He was playing into the sun. He uh, obviously was fearing the shot that went to the left. He was afraid of it on 17. He blocked yeah. it. He blocked it off 18T to the right. He was afraid of the pin on 18. He blocked it again and, you know, got into the clubhouse, made his bogey, and there he was. But once you get into the playoff, you, you do actually realise that um, – Everyone else is in the tournament is out of it. Yeah. And now it's just I've got as much chance as anyone else. All i got to do is hit a good shot into the fairway, and I've got, as as I say, as good a chance as anyone else. Uh, he, You did notice on the um, the last playoff hole, and, and the commentators picked up on it, uh, Black Mar uh, said, look, if you're going to play your fade, then you got to aim it left and go ahead and uh, go ahead and attack this flag. It's time to do it. And he did it. Yeah. Um, it looked like he'd made up his mind that he was not going to play away from those flags. In hindsight, should he have gone for it more? I don't know. But all I know is that we picked the winner on a 250 to one shot. <laughs> well, you picked the winner. I was just co-host. The fact that he's Scottish just makes it even better too. I feel like I had the whole of Scotland on my Twitter. <laughs> it was like, we'll have more people watching the show this week. We certainly so, will. And we've got a very interesting show, Diane. Yeah. We are across town to a very different style golf course, one that we don't know much about. I've done a fair bit of research in the last couple of days to talk about Shadow Creek Golf Club, very famous place that's been hidden away by the Wynn family that only the big gamblers get to go there. This golf course, Diane, was dug out of the desert. If you could imagine, they went out there and they dug down like they were going to build a stadium to play football in. They put all the soil up around and when you enter Shadow Creek, you go down into the golf course, so you don't even know that you're in the desert. But I've talked to one of our secret golf contributors, Colt Nost, who's played 100 rounds there. They weren't going to have this tournament. There was, of course, it was going to be played in Korea. Um, they have put down some ryegrass this week. They're trying to desperately to grow some rough. They're trying to get four inches. They're going to try to slow this golf course down a little bit. But the kind of the little twist of this course is – They've got big greens, and as Colt Nost told me, this is the closest thing to playing bumper golf ever. And I said, what do you mean by that? He goes, well, in these greens, Elk, he said, they've got these bowls, Mickey Mouse ears out in the corners where these bowls, if you can get your ball into the bowls or around it, they will funnel down to the holes. Now, how do we handicap that? How do we know what to do? Well, we're going to we're going to look at this chart this week, Diane, and we're going to find the guys that can actually hit it the closest to the pin from anywhere on the golf course because we know proximity to the hole is going to be one of the absolute musts this week. So it's the CJ Cup. It was meant to be in South Korea. Original time, original week that it was going to be there, but obviously there wasn't going to be people flying over to South Korea. So they're staging it back-to-back -back weeks in Vegas, Shadow Creek, as you said. And we have seen this course once on a big stage in that it was the venue of the match in 2018 between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson. It was really bigged up, hyped up then. And when we saw the course, it looked spectacular on TV but I mean it is it's Vegas it's completely showy over the top it does look very fake and perfect because as you say it's it's a hundred percent man-made <laughs> you would never think you were in the middle of the desert if someone dropped you from a plane onto Shadow Creek um very exclusive too but as you say it was Steve Wynn who had it as a private club for him and for guests of his hotel 
it's a public course now that you can play during the week, but it's $500 a person. So everything about this screams Vegas. Yeah, and of course, the two players that you mentioned, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, are both not playing. So as you say, no Tiger and Phil in the field. No Bryson DeChambeau either, who was the talk of the town last week, and you had called that on the show. He finished top 10. He was leading for a while, and we got to see some incredible things from Bryson, i.e. driving all those par four greens, which you called. You said he was going to do it, especially on seventh. Well, uh, I talked about last week that I thought Bryson DeChambeau was the centre of the golfing universe. He certainly indeed proved that. He's changed the attitude of the players when they get to these events now slightly. Last week, everybody knew that he was going to probably destroy the golf course. He did. He started off in tremendous fashion. Bryson has this love-hate relationship with everyone. You love it when he gets going, and then he gets he gets a little uh, upset at himself, and then he gets everybody mad at him about something he says to a photographer or something. But end of the day, Diane, he's hitting these 370-yard drives. I told you last week he was going to drive the seventh green. He did it. I also said he was going to hit two 400-yard drives. He, he didn't do that, but... Him and Matt almost did. Um, We won't quite see that this week because of uh, he's not playing. Matthew Wolf, of course, is, but the the course has ryegrass on top. By the way, ryegrass is a special seed, Diane. They put on the on the uh, on the golf course and they water it in, and it gives you that beautiful dark green that we see in the winter time. People love it when they go out to Vegas or Palm Springs to see that lush green grass. I'm not a big fan of it. I believe one one crop in the ground instead of two, yeah. but it certainly makes it lush, deep green, beautiful, but it will slow the ball down a little bit. Yeah. But it's going to look spectacular on TV again, which goes back to the whole Vegas glitz and glam. 72 guys in the field for the CJ Cup and there's no cut. So we've taken that into consideration as well because um, you have these guys that it's not like they just have to play two good rounds and, you know, if one round isn't great, they miss the cut, they're out, you know, it's over four days. So that gave us something to think about. And Brooks Kepka is back in the field too, which is definitely a talking point two months out. Uh, also, it's worth noting right now at the time we're recording this, Tony Finau is listed as being in a field, but after not playing last week because he tested positive for COVID-19, that's still a little bit up in the air as well. Yeah, Tony Finau really rated high. When we grade out our players for this event, he was right up in the top four. We've moved him down just because of COVID. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, when he came back from having tested positive, he was red hot. He wasn't able to uh, get his engine going again. So we we moved players around Diane by a lot more than just data. We're talking constantly with the tour players, the caddies, everyone involved with the circus that is the tour. <laughs> and we have... Tony Finau, we don't know what's going to happen this week, but he hasn't quite made it into our top 10. Um, Very different to South Korea, uh, where the tournament was originally meant to be held. It's great that it still gets to go ahead and we get back-to-back weeks in Vegas. Yeah, players are going to be really happy that uh, they either coming to Vegas this week. We've got some players that we're really used to seeing, Dustin Johnson and Justin Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, all these guys are coming to town. But we also got a bunch of guys that played last week, Diane, which will have an advantage for them because they're in Vegas. When I say acclimatize, I don't know if it really have to acclimatize to Vegas, but certainly if you played well last week in the in the in the uh, in the Vegas event, like Matthew Wolf, 
then that changes things. And, that, and that's all going to be reflected in, in the way we talk about this field this week. Yeah. And um, just the, the whole, I guess, the logistics of trying to live inside this bubble right now. Great for the guys that they get to spend two weeks in the same place and, and have their people around them. Yes, no doubt. Um, this is this is even better because uh, Shadow Shadow Creek is exclusive. There's only one way in and one way out, so there's probably won't see any fans. We saw a few yesterday, Diane, watching the end of the golf. But um, no, this is an exciting week. Uh, I'm glad to see it. Well, the only time we really got to see this course was the Tiger Phil match in '18. Um, as you said, it's very exclusive. Um, it's a public course now, so people can play it throughout the week, but the weekend is still reserved for guests of the MGM resorts. So it is very exclusive in that respect. But it's a par 72, just over 7,500 yards. So it's a big course. And it was redesigned in 2008. Since then, the course record has been held by Dustin Johnson. And wait till you hear this number. The course record is 66, which is a, when I read that, I'm like, that's such a high number. So we're expecting very low scoring this week and it might still happen that way, but 66 is a high course record. Well, usually, you know, when they want uh, tour players to come to the course, they usually push everything back as far as they can. They push all the pins into the corners when they know that we're coming to town or they're coming to play and make the course as hard as possible, Diane. I remember back in the day, Pine Valley, the number one ranked course in the world, they used to offer a steak dinner to any tour player that could come up there and break par. <laughs> we thought we could do that. And by the time we got there and see what the way they set it up, you could barely break 78. So wow. it depends on the setup. But here's, here's what we do know about this course this week, Diane, after talking to Secret Golf contributors and hearing from what the management is trying to do out there. They're trying to slow the golf course down a little bit with some ryegrass overseas. They're trying to get a little bit of rough. But the most important is the Tom Fazio design, very dramatic waterfalls, wraparound lakes. The greens are quite large and they have bowls in them. Uh, as I said earlier in the show, Colt Noss told me it's the closest thing to playing bumper golf that ever was. I said, what do you mean by bumper golf? He goes, well, there are these bowls in the corners, Elk. They put the pins in them. And if you can get into those bowls, the ball will work right in towards the flag. So how do I handicap that, Diane? How do you play a course that has corners and bumpers and getting it into these scooped out areas? Well, we know we got to drive it good. That's one of our categories this week. But the most important, the one that I'm waiting the most this week, Diane, is proximity to the hole. Who's the best iron player out there? How do you get the ball to do what you want and get it in these corners? That's important. Who's going to make birdies on par fives? There's four of them this week. Who's a great putter and who makes a lot of birdies? Because we we think the score, I gave you the score last week. I think I told you on this show was 25. Mm -hmm. It was 24 and a birdie in the playoffs. So in my mind, that's 25. You gave us the winner. And this week, they still think it's going to be in the 20s, Diane, minus 22. So we've adjusted everything accordingly to this sort of data that we've gotten. And I think we've got a pretty good show lined up for you to tell you what we, where we think the value is and who, who's going to do really well. As you say, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas, Matt Wolf, these big hitters out there, it's going to be interesting to see what they do and how they capitalize on all these scoring opportunities. Yeah, and you know, we're going to get right into it. We're going to start with the top 10 this week, Diane. As I said last week, 
sometimes when I start to think about it, how to handicap, the easiest thing for me to think about is who, who's the man to beat? And the man to beat this week is Matthew Wolf, Diane. The last two starts, he was second at the US Open behind Bryson DeChambeau. Finished second yesterday, lost in the playoff. But why I'm why I'm putting him at the top, he's not the highest ranked player in our field. He didn't grade out as number one. He graded out as number three. But he is on automatic right now. He's been in Vegas. I watched the golf yesterday. He's hitting his driver. He hit his three woods, 330 yards. He hit a 375-yard drive yesterday on 16 and hit a wedge to the green. He almost hits it as far as Bryson. This kid is got confidence to boot right now and he will be the man to beat but we're going to break it down and we're going to tell you why we think that's that is so yeah he's number three in our list so we'll get to him but starting with the number one he's number one in the field ranking and number one in our hg tour re-ranking and that is the winner of last season's fedex cup dustin johnson yeah dj grades out number one as i said to you earlier in the show diane it's very difficult uh, to handicap this week because we don't know much about the course and we don't know much about the players. Some of these players are coming back to work for the first time in a month. Yeah. But we have to think of it as what do they do really well? What do they do better than all the other players in the field? And it's the combination, Diane, of Dustin Johnson. We all know he's a long hitter. He's excellent at proximity to the hole, 19th on the tour. We know he birdies par fives. He's seventh in birdie leaders and he putts good. So, you know, it's no surprise to see Dustin Johnson at the top of the top of the ranking chart. Yeah. And before he won the FedEx Cup, you know, he won the, the Northern Trust and set all records that week. But the um he was playing so well consistently. So you can only think that having that time off and whatever he was working on, he continued to work on, you know, after having a little bit of rest and relaxation and enjoying the fruits of his labor, but he has to be raring to go to get back out there. Oh, and I think Vegas is a perfect place for DJ and his attitude and uh, what he's all about. I think he like. I mean, I'm no expert, Diane, but I think he likes going to casinos. <laughs> I think he likes to put his feet up after golf. And I think he's going to play well out there. Okay. His stats, he, he's got everything going for him. Yeah, so our number one on our re-ranking is Dustin Johnson. Coming in at number two, another guy that we have mentioned on the show already today, but it's Justin Thomas. And um, field ranking, he's in at number three, so we have him moving up one place. But these guys are really in the win zone, and Justin Thomas is always in that win zone. They got him at short odds out there this week, uh, Diane. Him and him and uh, DJ are right around 10, 10 to 1. Dust, Justin Thomas is slightly different in my mind, and, and then uh, DJ, Justin Thomas is a lifer. He's going to be on the tour for another 30 years. Mm-hmm. He's a long-haul kind of guy. He's very serious when it comes to playing his golf. Not that these other guys aren't, but he's number one in birdies on par fives. He's really good in proximity, being able to hit it into these corners. We already know he drives the ball a mile. Can he drive it? super straight we're going to find out and will that four inch rough be any factor if he hits it so far but no I mean Justin Thomas is a serious guy comes into the tournament he has a lot to prove he is always um he reminds me a little bit of like a Tom Watson whenever you saw Tom Watson at a tournament he was never over there fishing he was never over there playing tennis when Tom Watson was at a tournament it's the same as Justin Thomas at a tournament he's there for business Mm -hmm. and he's serious and he'll be ready. 
And he's so hard on himself. Like he just wants to do well for himself all the time. It doesn't really matter about anyone else. He sets himself the highest standards. So always fun to watch. And especially on a big platform, like we're going to see at the CJ Cup this week. And number three, you mentioned it, and we're going to dive into his stats a little bit more now. But Matt Wolf, we know that he hits the ball a mile. Do we have concerns over any of his other stats? Well, his proximity to the hole uh, from last season was 150th. He wasn't very good, but he's cut that in half in a very short part of this new year. We haven't have a ton of data, Diane, because they haven't played that much. But we already know Wolf's on fire as far as hitting the ball. Anyone that watched the golf yesterday knew about three things. He drives it unreal. I mean, almost splits the fairway, whether it's with a three-wood or a hybrid or a driver, all the way up to 370 yards off the tee. Very aggressive young man. He's got everything in his camp right now. He's 21 years old, Diane. I don't know how many millions he's already won, but could you imagine the confidence level this young guy has at the moment? I just think his engine is already all the way on. And DJ and Dustin, uh, Dustin Johnson and JT, this is the first week back in a month. I just think he's got a shot at jumping on him right out of the gate. And that's why I think, for me, he is the center of the bullseye this week. And in his last two starts on the tour, back-to-back second-place finishes. So one in the playoff. One, one, one he actually won and got beaten in the playoff. And he is 20-1, to 1, and I think probably out of the top three, Diane, is the best value. Actually, he's probably the best value of any of these, the top ten. We're going to go through them, yeah. but I like Wolf at 20 for sure. Okay. Um, after him, at number four, this guy's 33-1, to 1, and we say it every time he pops up. His name's always in this win zone. And when you look at his numbers and his form, it's not really surprising. But Sung JM at number four in our re-ranking. Another different player, totally different than the, the three players we just spoke of. Now we talk over, we move over to the side. We talk about a calm golfer that just hits a lot of fairways, hits a lot of greens, hits it near the hole, just consistent, kills the par fives. His putting, we've talked, we've seen Sergio two weeks ago. Blew out his one stat. We saw Martin Laird blew out the one bad stat. Sanjay M, I mean, the guy is just so steady. He's just a slightly different player, Diane. But if he gets his game on, he has the stats to back it up to get these balls into the corners, into the bowls where the pins are. Okay. Um, And at number five, a guy coming off a win on the European Tour, their flagship event, the BMW Championship. Uh, He wore a hoodie on the course and it was extremely controversial. But Terrell Hatton, he's always great fun to watch on the course, especially when he comes over and plays in the US. He won at Bay Hill last year, but we've got him at number five, moving up two places. Yeah, Hatton's a little bit of a mystery man. He won at Bay Hill. Um, the reason I say that is because he is a bit of an aerosol guy, which is as soon as he does something on the golf course, that when you press aerosol and all the – it's a big advantage for him to be able to let all that negativity out real quick, which I think is awesome. I just don't know that much about his game, but he his stats are awesome. He hits it straight. Um, he's he's pretty much good at everything, Diane. He um, – he won last week. Will he be able to make the journey over from, from England and get acclimatized to a totally different environment and be ready to go? Odd says at 25 to 1. Um, it's decent value, Diane. He's just uh, lacking a little firepower compared to these guys above him, but he certainly is, is well-equipped to play out here. 
So at number one, Dustin Johnson. At two, Justin Thomas. Three, Matt Wolf, who Elk's very big on this week. At number four, Sanjay M. And five, the guy who won on the European Tour last week in the BMW Championship at Wentworth, and it was Terrell Hatton. So next up at number six, another guy, Elk, that you're a big fan of, and that is Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland uh, played golf with Matt Wolf at Oklahoma State. He will be seeing what he's doing out on tour and want to get a piece of it. He just ranks really well. He's another one of these young guys, Diane. He hits the ball very well. He's 28th in proximity. That's what this, the name of this week is all about. Where do they, where can they get these balls into the corners of these greens where they can actually make a birdie? We are predicting that the score is probably going to be 20 under this week. So how do you do that? You've got to drive it good. We know Hovland hits it a mile. He gets those balls back into the corners. He putts pretty good. The only stat that he's not great at, Diane, is chipping and bunk as well. He may not need to do that this week. That's why this data is so important. But uh, it's no surprise to see Hovland. He's friends with Wolf. They play college golf together. Wolf is on fire. I think Hovland will play practice rounds with Wolf. I think he'll pick up on all that, and I think they'll be off together. That's cool. I love hearing that. Um, at seven, another one who we haven't seen playing for a little while. It's going to be great to have him back. And his numbers are so impressive, apart from that proximity stat. But this is John Ram coming in at seven in our re-ranking. John Ram had a brief stint, Diane, at uh, number one in the world this year. And back and forth with Dustin Johnson, was right there at the FedEx Cup. There's only one stat that separates John Rahm from being right at the very, very elite. He already is right at the top, but it's that wedge shots, nine irons, that he can't quite get the ball next to the flag. I think he hits them so hard. He'll have to learn that half shot like Justin Thomas has, but certainly uh, very familiar with desert golf, lives in Scottsdale, just to drive up the road to, to, uh, to Vegas. I think John Rahm, he drives it far. We all know that. Kills the par fives, makes tons of birdies. Uh, just that one thing. Can he get it back in the corners as good as the other guys? Can he beat Matt Wolf and Justin Thomas, who are clearly better in that one step? The gap, when you look at someone like Ram who hasn't played for a few weeks, then that's the glaringly obvious part of his game that he's going to have to do well in. Yeah, and when we talk about what are we talking about here, uh, Dustin Johnson, who's number one, if we put – if we put every tour player all over the course of the year where they drive the ball, Diane, yeah. it's number one who gets it closest to the flag over the whole year. We measured every one of them. Who's the best? Dustin Johnson is 19th at getting the ball close to the pin. Yeah. John Rahm is 135th. So that's the only two, that's the only stat that separates the two. Mm -hmm. um, a guy who is good at that and... Um, this guy, I mean, he came back after being injured and the way that he's been playing has been incredible, especially since the restart after the pandemic. And that is Daniel Berger, who comes in at number eight in our re-ranking. Berger's been so solid. You know, one at Colonial was the first week back uh, from the pandemic. You know, I've been big on Berger all the way. He putts great, um, makes a ton of birdies, kills it on the par fives. Uh, Berger's solid all the way across. I like his swing. He has a downstroke on it, puts a lot of pressure on the ball. He's able to hit the ball pin high. He's just a really talented kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is time for these guys. This is a big money week for them. There's no cut. This would be an awesome way to basically start their season. When I say there, it's almost like two parts of the tour, Diane. 
all the guys that aren't in these kind of events, mm-hmm. not in the US Open, not in the FedEx Cup, not in these world events, all these guys are basically coming back to work. Rory, DJ, JT, all the young guys are filling in the, all the other events. Nice to see him back out. He'll be, he'll be, he's well positioned to play well this week. Yep. Coming in at number nine, Rory McElroy. Again, another one, solid stats across the board. You always expect to see him in this win zone. Apart from same as John Ram, that proximity seems to be the high one. And the reason the proximity on Rory is 142nd is because he doesn't hit that many fairways. So when you spray, Rory's a tremendous driver of the golf ball. Mm-hmm. It's his best. It's his best club in his bag, probably. When he hits a ton of fairway, when he when he hits it in the rough, he's not going to be able to get it close, and that's what drags these stats down. So if you have that, if you're that rare person that hits it long and straight, like Wolf is right now, yeah. Wolf's playing out of the center of the fairway every every almost every hole. Um, that's the only reason that Rory is dragged down is because he doesn't quite hit his tee ball as straight. Now, the biggest question with Rory and every person that watches Rory's is 14 to one is which Rory's going to show up. You know, we've had Rory that's not motivated. We've had Rory that's been motivated when he had his child. I got to think we've got the baby under control now. I think Rory's ready to start back, be fresh, you know, <sighs> But can he beat Wolf? Can can he overcome the T-ball? Okay. Completing the top 10 is Patrick Cantley, who we all had high hopes for uh, last week at the Shriners Open. And um, he won, had two runner-up finishes. He was tied for the lead when him and Martin Laird teed off on Sunday. And he just didn't have a good day. and Ended up falling down substantially. However... Cantley is such a skilled player that this course could really suit him. Well, Cantley was doing everything we said he was going to do last week, Diane. He, he'd won the tournament. He finished second twice. He was going for the rare four years in a row of finished first or second, only done by Tiger Woods and Jack Nicholas and I think Tom Watson, something like that, some crazy number where you finish in the top two in four years in a row. Everything was going perfect for Cantlay until he played the first eight holes yesterday in four over. Mm-hmm. He hung in there and finished in the top 10 still. But how could you think Cantley's game's gone? I mean, he was playing some of the greatest golf ever last week until the front nine yesterday, which is a little mm-hmm. tricky. But no, Cantley's still right there, drives it great, putts great. Everything's, everything's set right there for him. It's just whether it's, it's going to be tuned in right here for him to be able to shake that off. Okay. Right, so we're moving on to our three sizzlers. These are guys out with the top 10 who are making big jumps up in our re-ranking. And really, if they can outperform one of their stats, then they're going to have a really, really good chance. And one of them who's 100 to 1 had... I'm going to say, I mean, great finish. It was a great finish uh, last week at the Shriners Open, but could have been a lot better. He played phenomenally well he was really in contention for a while and uh, he's a secret golf contributor Brian Harmon Brian Harmon's been playing some great golf he was right there yesterday hit it in the water on his second shot on 16 Diane imagine playing against Wolf and these guys when you when they're in the top three in driving distance hitting at 370 and you're back there you're 140th approximately in driving distance Brian Harmon's a small guy ton of moxie I just think I just think once he once Harmon gets it going, he lost a close U.S. Open to Brooks Kepka a few years back. 
proximity to the hole. He's way back, but he's still in 35th in proximity, putting good, confident. He's moving up the board, and that's why we have him as a sizzler. Good odds this week, Diane, 100 to 1 for Harmon. Yeah. Um, our second sizzler is um, someone else who he was defending champion at the Sanderson Farms a few weeks ago, and he went out and he played great. He was up in that good win zone on the leaderboard at the Shriners last week. And Sebastian Munoz, who is our second sizzler this week. Well, you know, this will be probably one of his first events. He's been in one of these world big cash money, yeah. 75 guys, no cut. <sighs> Just relax. <laughs> You're in it. He's 125 to, to one, Diane, but he drives at a mile, 43rd. Proximity to the hole is good. Makes a ton of birdies. He's got everything going for him. His stats sit up there really close to the top 10. He is moving up the board. He just got to relax. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good way to think about it. And it's nice. Yeah, when you look across all of his numbers, we color code everything for our little sheet. And, uh, you know, you see that kind of like high stat that we were talking about for Ram and for Rory, and it kind of comes in red or orange. Minos is green across the board. So everything he's doing, he's doing, you know, pretty well. <laughs> Consistency, Consistent. yeah. And, you know, that's it. Uh, another one, when you talk about consistency, and we were talking about Laird being a journeyman on the PGA Tour, that's what you would describe this guy as also. And we have him moving up 11 places up to 18 in our re-ranking. He's also a secret golf contributor, so fun to talk about. But Ryan Palmer. Ryan Palmer is one of our... One of our one of our own, Diane. Of course, I hate that term, journeyman. I like. I know, it. me too. <laughs> like that term, experienced has a lot of experience. When you could never say that about anyway, uh, Ryan Palmer certainly. Uh, yes, he is moving up the board. Why is that? Because he's so solid. He's green all the way across. Diane putts good. You know, Ryan Palmer plays a golf course in Fort Worth, the Colonial, which is where Daniel Berger won. Very small greens, windy course, got to have a lot of control. Diane, not only do we just take all the data from last year, this year and all that, but we even take where they grow up and where they where they play each day. I just think Ryan Palmer is going to be ready, Diane, uh, and he is moving up the board at 151. Yeah. I love this. I love this action right here. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, 150 to one. Geez. So Ryan Palmer completes our three sizzlers this week. So they are Brian Harmon, Sebastian Munoz and Ryan Palmer. So, Elk, you know, these guys, as we said, there's no cut this week. Mentally, how do you prepare for that? Does that change your preparation at all? Oh, certainly does, Diane, because it takes out the way you think about the golf course. You don't have to be very cautious when you tee off uh, almost on the PGA Tour. We saw a cut last week, by the way. It was seven under par yeah. two days. Uh, someone at the end knocked in a putt that knocked out about three of my friends with a, a very upset. Uh, your brother was at five. We were talking about that. I didn't want to text you and tell you you had no chance. But <laughs> he did, though. He texted me and said, I'm never making the cut. <laughs> it went to seven under. And uh, knocked out Pat Perez, knocked out uh, Jason Kokrak, knocked out Jason Duffner. Um, yes, it does change everything, Diane, because you're not under pressure the first two days of making one mistake. Imagine going out, playing on the tour right now and hitting one loose shot into a hazard or something, give a double bogey. How do you get all that back and still make the cut? It's not happening this week. We're yeah. good to go. 
Now, it's how quick can you get your engine up up to full speed? That's why I'm talking about Wolf. I haven't, by the way, I think you pinned me to this earlier in the show. I haven't quite picked Wolf yet, but what? I'm really big on him. I don't know if he can go second, second and win, but he is certainly the man to beat. That's the first thing you said to me today was, I'm big well, maybe, on Wolf. That's maybe, I just, maybe I just said he is the man to beat. But okay. <laughs> Whatever, he's the man to beat. Yeah, you have to do it with conviction. That's what I did with Martin Laird last week. How confident was I? And look what happened. Exactly. (laughs) Well, talking of, well, Laird was a dark horse pick. We still have those dark horse picks to come. And we're going to go through our fizzlers, the guys that are moving down our re-ranking here on the SG Tour Report. That's correct, Diane. You know, it's very hard for us to pick on any tour player when they're going out to go to work and tell them that we don't think they're going to do well. But the first one this week, Diane, is a very familiar name, Brooks Kepka, who they have him on the board at 25 to 1. Now, everybody in the golfing universe knows that Brooks hasn't played in two months. Yeah. We know he had a torn patella. We know he didn't have surgery on it. We knew the patella started to affect his hip, back, and that knocked him off the tour for the last two months. At 25 to 1, Brooks has got him here. Can you imagine putting money on Brooks when you have Wolf at 20 to 1? So when we talk about a fizzler, we we believe that we don't have any data to work with Brooks. He drives it a mile, but he doesn't have any form. How is he going to pick up speed so quick? He All the data on Brooks here, 103rd in, in accuracy, uh, proximity. 87th in birdies on par five. That's not even believable. Birdie average 55th and 60th in putting. So we don't have anything to work with, Diane. So at 25 to 1, I think this is possibly the worst money to put down of anyone in the field this week. He, let me ask you this. Um, He has to be so ready to get back out there. I mean, this guy, he loves golf but he loves competing he can come across as being a little bit smug at times but he has to be thinking well everyone's just kind of waiting to see what I'm going to do I didn't have great form before taking this break so let me go out there and prove everyone wrong well there's no doubt you're right that's his mindset but in his camp I can't speak for him but he must be thinking that he's looking forward to playing four rounds yeah seeing how his body is going to cope with that and thinking about his swing action and just seeing what he has. I just, I've been in his shoes, Diane. He is not anywhere near a favorite. Next up then is a guy, we were talking about the European tour earlier and the BMW championship that Terrell Hatton won at the weekend. This guy was in contention. He finished seventh in the end, but our second fizzler is Matthew Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it was odd when they had an interview that uh, that he was playing well in Europe, Bryson was playing well in Vegas, yeah. and all the interview about Fitzpatrick was about Bryson and how unhappy Fitzpatrick was with Bryson hitting the ball so far. You know, if you're that much in his head, I mean, come on, give me a break. Bryson's earned everything that he's done. It's not his fault uh, at all. He's doing the work. Fitzpatrick, he doesn't drive it far. No. His proximity to the hole is not uh, fantastic, 113th. Birdies on par fives, 82. He also uh, is sort of a pop-up player. He does come over to America and plays well. 
For yeah. example, he plays better than Fleetwood does in America. This is sort of the Montgomery rule. Montgomery didn't play well in America. I'm shocked that Fleetwood doesn't play well in America. Mm -hmm. But this week we've got Matthew Fitzpatrick just because, God help him, he gets paired with Matthew Wolf and he has to see that. I mean, that's going to blow his mind because Wolf is skinnier than Fitzpatrick. So that's going to really mess him up. The third of our fizzlers, and he's moving down 28 places in our re-ranking to number 62, is Jason Day. Jason Day, you know, um, Australian, um, hits the ball a long way. He is 74th in driving distance, which is quite a shock to me. 175th in proximity. What does that tell me? 70, everybody that's listening to this show knows that Jason Day hits it a mile. So how does he become 75th in driving distance? He hits it crooked. Yeah. You don't get the distance. And then how do you become 175th in proximity? You're coming out of the rough all day and you can't get the ball anywhere near the hole, so you're better than nobody. Okay. Uh, 54th in putting, uh, 106th in birdies. So obviously he's having trouble with his swing. I mean, Jason Day has always been one of these guys that when he gets going, Diane, he's unreal. But it only takes him a little issue with something physical to knock him right off. Some guys are able to play through it. Some people, Jack Nicholas would used to say, oh, was there ever a time that I had a bad back or a bad wrist or a bad knee? He said, of course I did, but I didn't tell anybody. I just played through it. Jason Day seems to get knocked off form very quickly with the smallest thing. He missed the cut last week. He's going to be bored sitting in Vegas. That's why we have him on the fizzle this week. Okay, there you go then. So our three fizzlers, Brooks, Kepka, Matthew Fitzpatrick, and Jason Day. So we have two dark horse picks. And the dark horse picks, when you look at their odds, they have good odds. And they're the guys that we're picking to, um, well, I mean, they could move up when you look at what they're doing. And it's going to be hopefully fun, good value. We certainly found it last week, Diane. <laughs> I was trying to like, trying to figure out how to word that without massively bigging myself up. <laughs> <laughs> right, so we have two dark horse picks this week and um, well, we know how well we did last week. So I'll introduce them. One of them, and I always say we have stories to back up our dark horse picks. Um, the, the big one, Elk, I'll intro him, but you can tell your story. So I get the glory in a few minutes. But uh, the first one, I just want to say this first guy, when we started um, doing the sheet today, we looked at his odds, they were 80 to one. So he had big odds, but they've been slashed to 50 to one in the time that we did our prep to the time I was talking about it now. So everyone else is maybe jumping on this bandwagon a little bit too, but that is Shane Lowry. Well, of course, Shane Lowry is still the current Open champion. He, he may be it for a, a, quite a while here. Um, we've talked a lot about on this show, Diane, of players like, like a Shane Lowry that um, becomes monsters if they just fix one stat. And, of course, he is sitting in that exact position. Uh, he has one stat of his putting is not so great. Just finished 12th last week over in, uh, in England. In the, uh, in the PGA, but top 10, top 10 in proximity is absolutely mm -hmm. about as good as you can do. He is ninth in the top 10 in, in proximity to the hole with his iron play and 12th in making birdies on par five. So uh, 50 to one, Diane, that's a little out of your comfort zone. Normally you're giving us, you know, 250 I know. to one. 
Uh, That's what cheers. I wanted. I wanted that. <laughs> I know. You well, do. the next guy we have, I'll intro him as the 250 to one, but he's your dark horse pick because you have a good story about him. It's Mark Hubbard. Yeah, so Mark Hubbard is, is 250 to one. This is the best value on the board. I played some golf with him. He lives here in Houston. My son and I played with him over at Champions Club. He uh, he plays a little bit unorthodox, has a has a slightly different swing action, but he has two. When, when I look down our sheet this week, Diane, and of course, when you look at, as you said, we have color-coded everywhere. At the top of the board, when we look, talking about Dustin Johnson, uh, uh, Justin Thomas, Rory, it's all green everywhere. But as you get down to the bottom of the field, we start to see all the red, the guys that aren't as good. So I said to myself and I said to you and our producer, where is the sneaky Diane Knox pick this week that she did last week? <laughs> That's what we're going to call this from now on. <laughs> yeah, and Mark Hubbard has two wonderful stats. Mm-hmm. He is 28th in proximity to the hole, which he proved to me at Champions. He is a spectacular iron player. Okay. And he has a bookend of top or 26th in putting. Okay. So in my mind, Diane, if he hits the tee ball straight, he can shoot at these, shoot at, <laughs> if he hits the tee ball good, he's not a long hitter, 155th. He hits the irons into these corners, as we've talked about at the top of the show, and knocks in the putts. 250 to 1, Diane. He is my dark horse pick this week. Can I just very quickly give another one? Yes. I'm only giving this because his odds are good and because of a conversation that you and I had a little while ago. And that's Mark Leishman, because he's 125 to one. And Leishman, we have talked about him on the show. His game was not in a great place. However, he had his charity outing a few weeks ago. You were there. Not only did you play, but you worked with him on the range afterwards. You talked to him earlier from Vegas. And from what you told me, 125 to 1 is great for Leishman. Yeah, if you look across uh, at his stats, they're not good. But look, Leishman's top top 20 player in the world. Yeah. Was hot as you could be before the pandemic, got locked down in Virginia Beach, had to sit for two months with no golf, never really came out of it, came out of it, in fact, with some bad habits. I just happened to go up and play in his event, saw a couple of things, his coach was not able to come over. He talked with his coach about what we talked about. He's, okay. They found a found something in there. And, and in the Leishman camp, we've got big thumbs up. So we know it's going to change, Diane. We know that Leishman's not going to play bad forever. 125. I knew you were going to do this to me. You stole, <laughs> my, you like the glory. I see it. You stole Leishman. I, I had one great week and then it was just like, okay, that's it for me. I'm going to roll and I <laughs> stop it. <laughs> 125 to 1 on Leishman is the best yeah. uh, best value on the board. So, Elk, before we go, um, and as we said, the second week of two in Vegas on the PGA Tour, what are you looking forward to? We're going to end every show with this from now on, but what are you looking forward to this week? I'm looking forward to a couple of things, Diane. One is I'm going to, I want to get familiar with Shadow Creek. You said it's $500. Maybe we should have a secret golf outing out there, Diane. You can show <laughs> up your skills. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing the golf course. I'm looking forward to seeing Justin Thomas and uh, Dustin Johnson get back out there. I'm looking forward to seeing Rory. Uh, I'm really, I talked at the top of the show about Matthew Wolf, how high I am on his form right now, how good he's hitting the ball. I hadn't seen anybody hit the ball quite as good as he has off the tee in a long time. So um, we've, we've, we've got it all set. We've given you everything we know. That's, that's my, that's my walk away. Okay. I'm looking forward to spending the money that I won on Martin Laird. <laughs> <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> Too right. Um, and seeing this course as well, because it is kind of like a fake Disneyland, like paradise golf course um, with a lot of waterfalls and that super green ryegrass. I think it's going to be um, nice to see that and to see what the greens do at Shadow Creek too. So a lot to look forward to and hopefully uh, having some winning picks again this week. It's an addictive sport, our, <laughs> our, our projections, Diane. And now that you're now that you're now that you've already picked a 250 to one, and everybody thinks you're the the the, the carnic of it all. I love it. I know. I'm, I'm hooked. So there you have it. We've given you a, a lot of information this week about Shadow Creek, what the course is going to be asking these guys to do. As we said, it's hard because we don't know a huge amount about the course in that the only time we've really seen it on a grand stage was for the match in 2018 with Tiger and Phil. And apart from that, you know, we just had to like really go on what our contributors have been telling us, guys in the field, some other people that have been out there and, and played the course. So, yeah, we, we're quite happy with it. So we have our wins on our top 10, Sizzlers, Fizzlers and Dark Horse Picks. And I threw in an extra one this week, but why not? I think I'm allowed to right now. The show will air on the Sports Grid Network on Wednesday at 2pm Eastern. And then it's repeated at 3, 10 and 11, if you want to catch it a little bit later at night. We do it every Wednesday. And um, there's a lot more in the show, so it's fun to follow along with. Also, we'll be putting all of our picks on our Secret Golf social media channels, so you can check them out there as well. Um, side note, you know, if you do listen to the podcast and watch the show and some of the picks have worked out for you, let us know. I've had so many messages from people over the past week saying they listened and they put a wee bit of um, money or put him in their lineup Martin Laird so I'm like great it's good to hear from people that um, maybe are reaping the benefits of being part of this little community so yeah let us know that would be great to hear from you and we'll be back with another podcast next Tuesday Tuesday